Um, welcome to this very special event with our two very special guests, Dame Jane Campion and Thomas and Harcourt Mackenzie. I'm Tina Barton, I'm the director of the Adam Art Gallery, and it gives me great pleasure to join you in conversation tonight about these two paintings that we've just hung in this space, lent to the university by Jane and Thomason. So this is a work by Alexis Hunter, The Struggle Between Ambition and Desire, number two, from her Conflicts of the Psyche series from 1984, which was lent to the university in 1999. And Easy Living, number one, um, by Seraphine Pick, who is here tonight with us, that Thomason has kindly lent to us very, very recently. In fact, it's only just been formalized and it's only just gone up on the wall. And we'll have it until I think she has a wall big enough somewhere in the world for her to also be able to hang it. I'd also like to uh, acknowledge and welcome a few people in the audience. We've got Seraphine Pick, the artist. We've got Anna Campion, Jane's sister. <laughs> We've got Stuart McKenzie and Miranda Harcourt, Thomason's parents. We've got the acting vice-chancellor, Jennifer Windsor. We've got Adam Art Gallery patrons, advisory board members, student volunteers, colleagues, friends. So thank you all for coming to this wonderful event, which is one of the ways in which the Adam Art Gallery is acknowledging that the university is 125 years old this year. So it's a very important and exciting event. I am going to say a few words by way of introduction just to sort of set the scene, but the main purpose of the event tonight is to get these two talking about these two pictures. You'll know Jane and Thomason for their incredible work as filmmaker and actor. You'll know what they've been doing recently. I feel slightly humbled by the, the different sort of stage that you're standing on from the ones that you've just come from in terms of the Oscars. And, you know, it's a very different situation than being in front of or behind the camera. But I'm really delighted that you took up this invitation, humble as it is, and I really am looking forward to a conversation that takes you perhaps to a different place from the ones that you normally talk about. So really, thank you so much for coming. It's a, it's a great pleasure and a privilege to have you here. Okay, so after um, I've asked some questions and we've entered into a conversation, it's over to you, and I'm sure you'll all have questions for us tonight. So uh, I'm looking forward to entering into the conversation. I think that this event ar arises at some strange and miraculous juncture between serendipity and fate. <laughs> it evolves in a very much, and this particular place in Wellington, but its tendrils extend in many directions. We're seated here in the foyer of the McLaurin building in one of the many public spaces where the Victoria University of Wellington art collection hangs. Adam Art Gallery is responsible for this collection. Um, we've been charged with building a representative collection of recent New Zealand art, and that's actually the wording from our acquisition policy. And since the opening of the gallery in 1999, which was actually the year that Jane and her mother lent this work to us, 
We have enabled the collection to grow and diversify through purchases, gifts, and loans. And I think looking at the works, not just these two, but the works around us, you'll recognize that we are guardians of a collection of real substance, despite the fact that we're not a museum. In this one space around in this area, these two paintings are an excellent company. We have John Drawbridge's massive mural that was painted for New Zealand House in London in 1963 on loan to us from Archives New Zealand. We have the fielding panel at the back there from 1964, gifted to us by Carol Henderson, who is the daughter of Gordon Tovey, the superintendent of education, whose groundbreaking ideas about the role of the arts in education engaged a new generation of Māori artists. And over here, we have Brett Graham's Rafati from 2014, which has only just returned to us from its outing to Auckland Art Gallery's historic Toy Tu Toy Ora show that closed late last year. And every one of these works has a story to tell that knits artists into the very fabric of the university. And these works are seen by students every day, and thousands of them. While some people call ours a furnishing collection, which makes it sound like interior decoration, you'd actually be surprised at how much the art is actually noticed. Yesterday, as we were hanging the paintings in this space, we clocked a whole range of comments. And Sophie Thorne, who's here tonight, our collection curator, was particularly thrilled when two young men walked through the space and described Seraphine's painting, not the subject, but the painting as so beautiful. And as she put it, it's not something that boys would have let themselves say a decade or so ago. So I think, you know, these are works that are really resonating at this moment in our time. So very quickly, how did the works end up here? As I mentioned earlier, Jane and her mother, Edith Campion, placed the Alexis Hunter on permanent loan in 1999, uh, the year of the gallery's establishment, and it was, I guess, our first formal loan, when Victoria University awarded Jane an honorary doctorate for her critically acclaimed work as filmmaker. Clearly, the accolades have kept coming since that time. So knowing about that transaction, it was kind of amazing and exciting when, by sort of a serendipitous encounter with your parents, uh, we heard that you had a large painting by Seraphine Pick and nowhere to put it. And we talked about the idea of you lending it to us and putting it on public display until such time as you could take it back. I don't know if you knew about Jane's loan to the collection, but as soon as we put the two things together, we thought they actually have to occupy the same space because there's so much to talk about about them. And I think there are some really lovely synergies between these two works. I mean, they're both figurative paintings made by women. They're large scale. They're ambitious. Says a lot, I think. Jane is an alumna of this university, and so was her mother. And Thomason, I think you're a current student. You two know each other. I think
think you played a part in Power of the Dog. She did, long. <laughs> <laughs> you both come from Wellington families with deep roots in film and theatre. And there are little links, I think, between the artists and you owners. I think it's amazing that Seraphine produced the stop animations for the credits for Jane's Top of the Lake, which is a lovely little connection. And did you know that Alexis Hunter worked in commercial film when she arrived in London in 1972? Uh, she worked on various large-scale films and in advertising, and she famously tells a story that she was employed to paint the foam in The Little Mermaid. <laughs> one, of her, one of her projects is as a as an artist. And I think the photo sequences that she made in the, the mid-1970s, which really made her name in the British art scene, uh, read like storyboards or film stills. So there's a connection to film, even though she then moved on to painting. And I understand, Jane, that you studied painting and then went to film. So I don't want to go on any further, but I hope I've set a scene for tonight's um, conversation. And I've already shared my questions with these two, so who knows where it will go. I thought the first question that I should ask you both, given what you share in the way of a background, and knowing that you both grew up in families that were close to theatre and film, how did the visual arts figure early on and as your careers developed? Maybe, Jane, you'd like to kick it off. Yeah, I don't think that my parents were, you know, really big visual artist people. I mean, they did have some prints and there were some paintings. Um, <laughs> and it was so interesting for me when mum suddenly got so excited by Alexis Hunter, which was, you know, much later in my life and I'd already been to art school and everything like that. I was so surprised when she rang me up and she said, I've just bought two massive paintings. <laughs> She'd been divorced from her dad, and it was like, you know, she's expressing herself, full self. It was kind of fantastic. And she was so excited by the way these paintings talked to her. The other one was one I have in Sydney, which is uh, two naked women dancing wildly with what looks like satyrs, you know, with evil intent, you know, hot intent, sexy intent, anyway. And, and, you know, and then I saw it and I thought, you know, it's so interesting. My mom would buy a painting that is so disturbing in, in many ways because, you know, she suffered famously from depression. But it's so interesting how this painting, instead of scaring her, it, it somehow described something about some of the chaos in her brain life history because her parents both died of alcoholism by the time she was nine. And her mother had um, alcoholic tremors and visions and hallucinations of like giant spiders on top of wardrobes that she'd say to my mother, go and find out what that is, you know? And um, so I was sort of putting it together with this uh, bird creature, this harpy that's screaming at this woman. Mm. Although I see it in very different ways, but anyway. Mm. Um, that's my answer to your question. Oh, <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so interesting. What about you, Tom? 
I am very, very lucky to have grown up my entire life surrounded by art. My my dad is a very keen art collector, and so is my mum. And it's something he gets really excited about. So all throughout my life, I remember constantly being surrounded by beautiful pieces. My brother's godfather is Hamish Mackay, who's a, an art dealer, and so I was always hanging out with Hamish and visiting his gallery and seeing what he had up that was new and so I was like slowly growing an appreciation for it and slowly growing an idea of what perhaps drew me and what my style was. I think the my favourite piece that we have at our house is I'm really really bad at names so I might get it wrong but it's Tony Delator. Tony Delator and it's called Prize Fighter the piece and what he did was he got an, a, a landscape and he painted over it and kind of added new details some of those details were he had guns and the trees and the branches and he painted New Zealand and the river um, and he painted a lion and a kiwi fighting with um, broken beer bottles strewn around them so yeah it's always been surrounded by it and not just through like visual art but also through music and film um, yeah so it's mm. been a part of my life well tell me you both what's the first work that comes to mind that you can remember having an impact on you I listened to a, a podcast recently that um, that asked that question of two prominent critics and it was quite fascinating what their earliest recollections were and it sent me into a spin because I wanted to figure out what I would say and answer that to that question and it's probably a difficult question but do you can you think of something that struck you yeah I can remember several events but I, I think I'll speak about one I was quite often sick as a young person I suffered from collapsed lungs and pneumonia. And I had to spend long periods of time in bed, you know, making that, we didn't have any entertainment. There was no television or videos or anything. So you had to entertain yourself. And it, it was a kind of painfully curious time where I sort of had to use my imagination to kind of get the time to pass because sometimes I'd be at home in bed for six weeks and one time I was in my mother's bedroom um, and it, I mean she had this painting called The Walk in the Forest by Henry Russo. It was, I remember just looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and wondering about this woman in the forest because she looked like she was sort of hearing something or alert to something happening and there was a sort of story aspect to the painting and I think because you know, normally maybe I wouldn't have looked at it so long, but I did look at it for so long, and I, I know that when I came to do the piano, that was the image. That, um, you know, like I would have been 10 or 11 maybe then. It obviously was something like the mystery in that painting really affected me deeply, and I, I remember when we were trying to get the finance for the piano, I made a whole of little photos and cards and I had included the Henry Russo uh, painting for it so yeah. What about you? My reply is going to be Seraphine. <laughs> 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 just all of her pieces I really really um, 
just when it like being dragged along to art shows for my dad, sometimes willingly and sometimes begrudgingly. Always, if Seraphine had art up, they were always the ones that I was drawn to. And I'm a lover of little things, of delicate things. And in a lot of her pieces, there were hidden things and like just lots of figures. And, and you could just spend a long time looking at them with beautiful dark and, and rich shadowy colours. And then I saw this piece piece and it really was the first piece that just took my breath away and I remember um, seeing it at Nadine Art Gallery in Christchurch and I was standing in front of it very close to it just like looking at all the richness of all the colours and the layers and I just started crying because <laughs> I just thought it was so beautiful and it was during the pandemic so there was just a lot of anxiety going on in the world really which a lot of it I was feeling that and um, to me this is just like a big release and a surrender to the universe and also the woman in the in, in the painting is emitting light but she's also drawing it in and I worked with the director last year who reminded me to find the joy in life and to me this is like a, a visual representation of that to find the joy and also it just made me this is how I want to make people feel with my work so yeah, this was the first piece I'd saw where I was just like I couldn't, I couldn't not have it with me, carry it with me throughout my life, and um, and it's a good thing that I don't have a house to put it in because it means that so many more people can experience that. Seraphine, do you want to um, respond to 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 Thomason's comments because it'd be lovely to hear what what you think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I know that Thomson came to my show where this, this work was in at the Dows in 2015, and she had got the poster of this painting originally. You'd had it in your bedroom for years, hadn't you? Yeah. I thought it was really, really nice to have uh, younger people responding to the work as well, and particularly the show because. It had a big element of coming from um, 1970s counterculture and youth movement, and that was the base of the historic history in it, and that I'd drawn from, and from my own upbringing too. And also because it's an image of a woman, large, she's big, <laughs> she's, and she's reaching, and she's and a sense of youthful power in, in youth and and just reaching for that sense of themselves and and believing in it and and also even though it's an image of a woman that has and it has a whole nostalgic feel too but it's essentially about the failure of counterculture and moving into now and we're looking at all those things again with a different generation as well which is a lot's happened since 2015 and it's almost like I read the painting in a whole different way again so and I love that about art through time is that it does that and you can reread it in different ways so yeah it's just a lovely connection with different generation too it feels ideal that um, you got what was going on so effectively and well, and it's lovely to have that, that particular 
connection there. Yeah, and also on what Seraphine said that she's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big, grand powerful woman I think that's part of a big part of the reason that I bought it and that Nadine Milne and Seraphine were so supportive of me buying this piece was just it, it being owned by a woman painted by a woman and then owned by another woman it just felt right fantastic I'm really curious about how this painting ended up with us and and what the discussion was with your mother and, and, and how you decided that you would give it to us. Well, not give it to us, but lend it to us, and, yeah. and why? Um, well, in, I guess it must be 1999, Mum moved out of Wellington up to um, Otaki, um, and she didn't have really room in her house there. And um, so she gave me these paintings and said, well, do I want them? I said, yes. But I didn't really have a house for this either, and, and in fact, I find it, I love the painting. I find it very powerful painting, but also disturbing. To me, it's, what I love about it is it, you know, the woman is holding off some horror, something terrifying, something terrible, but she's got such a peaceful quality about her. Like it's obviously in the midst of her dreams or something, and it's like her subconscious is, I mean, it's, it's, there's such a paradox between the craziness of this bird that's screaming at her that it, it reminds me of just like what it is to be human in, the <laughs> in sometimes the hardest ways, like when you feel your maddest, that we, that we do have these psyches, these imaginations, which can think of anything and do think of anything and can horrify us with our nightmares. And I, I love it for that. I and mean, I love that she's sort of holding a pillow against her breasts and and the way it's painted has a kind of urgency but there's something so sort of beautiful and vulnerable as as a woman as a as a young woman and i i, I mean i don't really understand the painting by its title well that was going to be my next question so the, the title is the struggle between ambition and desire yeah i mean i says it's conflicts of the psyche series so i don't yeah. take the title that seriously but no it is does look like a yeah conflict of the psyche yeah but if 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 one is ambition and one is desire which is which because well, it's, it's not, not specified quite, yeah. i know i don't think the title makes sense and i feel the painting reads really clearly. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't think it, it gives you very much to pursue the, you know, did she, did she get a good title or not, you know? <laughs> I'm sure she titled it afterwards. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if it's the best title for it. I think it's something, you know, that a really great artist can do. They can hold a paradox viscerally for you that, um, is why the Mona Lisa, in a very much more calmer mode, is so incredibly famous and beloved because she's mysterious. You don't know what she's thinking or feeling. And this one I love too because, you know, you look at everybody in the crowd here and everybody seems like normal. <laughs> However, <laughs> I'm guessing everybody has some crazy bird that goes nuts at them from time to time. And... <laughs> Or they are that crazy bird. <laughs> you know, we're so hard to read. We make such an effort to seem normal. And 
say. <laughs> you know, I, I love that, that we as humans do get to experience very big, scary things. And you know, you can see her trying to hold it off, like, hey. <laughs> It's, it's a, it's, so for all those reasons, I hope you understand what I'm trying to express here, but I, yeah. Uh, Tom, I'm curious to know what you think of this painting. Um, I agree that I don't understand it at all by the title. Um, I think, to me, I, I do see a, a, a vulnerable young woman trying to ward something off to push something away. Um, that's been haunting her, but just like by the colour of her hair, the red, the orange, it, it almost feels like she's not just vulnerable, there's something fiery going on inside her as well. But I like the um, comparison between the two, that in, this, in, in, the, in the Alexis Hunter piece, she's pushing something off, and in this one, she's drawing it all in and um, like emitting it at the same time. That's right, sort of night and day. <laughs> Mm. Well, that's the thing. That I, it struck me as these are these are polar opposites. Yeah, 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 it really does feel very, very different. I think she, she needs her support. Yeah. <laughs> it's great that they're, um, yeah, they're with, with each other. But this is a sort of dream image as well, isn't it? It's mm. a, you know, like almost a pre-Raphaelite re-scene of it in the, yeah. from the seventies or something. My dad actually, on the way here, he was trying to like draw some ideas out of me <laughs> in school, practicing. <laughs> and he was, he wanted, and back to the, um, uh, how art has played, had an influence in my childhood. My, um, my mum's great, 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 great uncle was John Everett Millay, oh. who was a pre oh, wow. Um, and so that image, I can't remember what it's called, but the, the woman lying Thelia. back in the water. Like in the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, has always had a really, a really big impact on me. And also there's a portrait that he did of a, of a young woman who just looks so much like my little sister, which I also really, really love. So it is, it's, um, yeah, the love of art is in the blood, in our blood. I, I'm an art historian and I can't help but be concerned with dates and how paintings relate to their times and I feel like there's, I know a little bit about Alexis Hunter and her very stroppy feminism that got her into all sorts of hot water in, in England and she was criticised for being one of those angry women when she was included in an exhibition at the Hayward, which and they renamed the Hayward the Wayward Gallery because it was full of angry women. And you know, it was a brave move for her to move to, back to painting from the photographic work that she'd really established her reputation with. And I can see that there's anger and struggle of a woman who had to fight a system to be recognized, and she talks in interviews that she's done about there was no market, for example, for feminist art in the 1970s and 80s. So I, f I can feel there's a... Do you, I don't think this is feminist art. I mean, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do agree with you. No. Her early stuff was definitely feminist yeah. art. She's very angry at the lack of representation no. of women, and I agree with her, and it makes me rigid with fury that they respond in such an ugly way and, mm. and um, 
called the Wayward Gallery. You know, when I was growing up, we were making films, and like the very few women doing it, they used to call us the Clit Club yeah. at the ABC. You know, just any way to demean you. Yes, like exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, I think that I think the fact that it's painted by a woman and it shows a woman's feelings. Um, it may not be overtly feminine in that political sense, but I do no. think there's a there's a strong there's a consciousness going consciousness on there, there yeah. most definitely. Yeah, I mean sometimes yeah. a woman can just be a woman having feelings. Mm. Doesn't mm. have to be political. No, you know. no, exactly. Which is more, I guess, well, I what's going on here. I think that's the same though too. Mm. I'd argue. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see that as political. You do? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, okay. I do. But, and, and it interests me about this then. I'm not saying that this isn't political at all, especially if you're remembering the 1970s as this time of radicalism and change. But I also see this as very much more of the now. Um, and I see, I have a daughter who's, you know, of this generation. And, you know, part of me thinks, this is someone who's got their ear pods in, who's in their own world, who's, who's just in this world, but it's also already a mediated world. You know, it's one that's, be, that's been moderated by these, these other things that are coming through. So I sort of see this as a, a millennial. I mean, and this is, this is, sorry, this is what art historians do. They like to categorize and they like to kind of create these labels for things. And, and I'm very happy to be disagreed with. But when, you know, when was it painted? 2015 for White Noise, this exhibition, that major exhibition, and you worked incredibly hard to make it, I know. And many of the images you found on the internet. Um, and so you were sort of channeling these images that were available to us through this different medium. Um, so I see something sort of generational in the differences between these two. I really like that idea of her having her AirPods in, just yeah, like living her life. <laughs> um, Seraphine pointed out before, because I'd always been wondering about what the blue scarf was for. Um, and she mentioned that it was uh, just like that bright blue colour was a, a way to kind of ground her in the painting and hold her there. Without it, she might have flown away. It was kind of the anchor of the painting, which I really like. Mm. Mm. So I'm just about at the end of my questions, um, and I'm just wondering what it means to both of you to have these works in a context like the university what role you see art like this or any art playing in this particular context? Well, I think it's sad if paintings don't get seen, you know, or don't get shared. I'm hoping that, you know, this painting might awaken people's young women's curiosity or might create a little bit of haunting. Mm. Mm. You know, like open this themselves to the idea of a psyche. Mm. Like, what is your relationship to psyche? Because that is what art is about. You know, if you don't have a channel between psyche and yourself, then you're only partly alive, is what I would say. You're not awakened to, you know, if you're all your time you're just worried about what people think and what you should do, and, you know, you don't have a guide like the psyche. 
because you know I do see the psyche in here, mm. then you know you're only partly here, and I I think that um, it just could be a little nudge <laughs> in this direction. So I love it for that, and I think it is because quite a nightmare picture for someone to have in your house. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just scare the living daylights out of the students as they come by. <laughs> Unless you're my mother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> which is tame stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy for people to see it, to be honest. Mm. Since I was able to purchase it a couple of years ago, it's been wrapped up. So I'm just so relieved that it's out in the open and being seen. And I don't like the idea of it being just for my eyes. I, I, I want it to be for as many eyes as possible. Yeah, and also, literally, um, this is my lecture hall. This is where I go and do, do my <laughs> history course. So it's kind of good for me because I can just walk out of there every day. And <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very thankful for you guys for having it. Oh, well, we're absolutely delighted. So I'm just wondering if there are any questions that people might like to ask as we have these special guests here. Rosemary. Yes, I have bought a few works. When I made some money, one of the things I thought was, oh, I'm going to buy some art. And uh, I'm not going to have prints. I'm going to have originals. And I'm going to have New Zealand art. So I, w I came home at one time, and I went to visit Peter McLeavy. And I was thinking of some little things. <laughs> but what happened was that um, there was this wonderful Bill Hammond painting that had just arrived. And he said, oh, I'm going to unroll this Bill Hammond painting, um, maybe you'd like to have a look at it while I unfurl it, you know, and it was a massive, like, um, I'd say 1.5 meter by two or two and a half meter painting. Um, one of his bird paintings that he did in, well, he was in Sydney apparently, and it's so gorgeous. I mean, I felt like I was seeing a Botticelli painting. It was so emotional making, like you, I, I felt tears, you know, I felt an emotional pull to this amazing piece of art, and I, I wanted it. <laughs> I was looking at, at a drawing or something, you know, like, mm. and, and this was expensive, um, but I did it. I bought it, and it's in my bedroom in Sydney, and I look at it all the time. It's actually a, a kind of a soothing passion, and everybody that comes into the house gets taken to my bedroom to look at it. <laughs> Um, I've got a Dick Frizzell, which is called Blackbridge, that someone who uh, feigned floors sold to me because he needed some money. And I've got, <laughs> I've got a Seraphine pick, which is uh, beautiful. My, I think it's like the Madonna image, really, of a, a woman looking up. I've got an, I keep down in um, my little hut of Timboy in Glenorchy. A Julian Hooper, um, a little sort of queen painting by my bed again. A Richard Colleen. Uh, work which I love. It's in the kitchen. So anyway, I've got a few things. <laughs> Anyone want to buy something? John Leverage. <laughs> I could do some deals here. <laughs> I don't want to sell any of them though. I actually kind of love them. Sometimes I think, oh, maybe I'll make my fortune on the Bill Hammond, but I can't. And I won't have it. <laughs> and are you building a collection too? 
I'm trying to um, slowly, since again I don't have my own place, so mm. very little space to put it in my parents' house because they've already got so many amazing pieces. My two prized possessions are this, and I was able to get a Billy Apple piece. He, Billy, was really sick, and he'd got been going through his old notebooks or something, and he'd seen that he'd sketched something up for me because we'd been talking about maybe him making something for me, and it just didn't happen. And so he was going through these old notebooks, and he saw that, and he contacted Dad or maybe Hamish and said, hey, this Thomason's still keen. I said, yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so um, I got on the phone with Billy and he, um, and when we talked and he's amazing. And I said, just do whatever you want because it's your piece and, um, and it should be your, it's your expression. Mm. Um, so yeah, he did the Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie collection in, in duck egg blue, which is the color of our house and white. And I think that was the last piece that he, he made. Mm. So I feel very, very, very lucky yeah. to have it. That's lovely. Yeah. Mm. Any other questions? Jane, this is a question for you. How has visual art informed the kind of visual compositions of your films? Because I, I guess I, I can kind of see certain lights that yeah. relate to paintings. And yeah, well, I, th I think it has a big effect on me um, because when I start gathering references for a film, I usually take myself off to the art school nearest me and spend a day or two just looking in a completely haphazard way at painting books and photography books and just finding things that speak to me that open my mind a bit. You know, like, I, I don't know where they're gonna come from, so I'm not going directly to things. Say, for instance, Power of the Dog, I, I ended up finding this book that had the very first early brownie photographs that people were using and there was naked boys, um, young men um, wrestling in the water and I went, oh yeah, that's a good idea for my cowboys, you know. And so, and so I, I do like a random poaching of all these genius freaking ideas. Uh, they just sort of stir me up and open up my own thinking in ways I, I couldn't imagine. And it, I like that it's random. I, and I think it's so easy and attractive to do because when you start work, it's very difficult and you don't want to do it because you, you think you're going to be, oh my God, oh, it's such a big job, well, how am I going to start it? So I, I try to start it with something absolutely gorgeous to do, which is <laughs> that you can't resist, which is just look at these beautiful pictures, you know, and it goes right back to my time as a student at school when I didn't like school and instead of going to school, I would go down to the public library and sit in the reference room and do my schoolwork looking at these paintings. So I've always had that sort of love and connection. And, you know, I was, I did study to be a visual artist and did art history, um, which was sort of Gombrich, you know? <laughs> but I loved learning, you know, the different styles. I was really good at picking out the different artists. And, um, and it's just something that's really stayed with me and oftentimes, I think that reference, you know, like I use Lucian Freud, Lucy and Freud a portrait for um, the idea of Phil Burbank, who was the, played by um, Benedict Cumberbatch, that just really spoke to me as kind of his vulnerability and his arrogance. Yeah, so, you know, I'm 
plotting to do a little pop-up film school, and that's one of the things I would really, you know, get everybody to do. And hopefully, Christine will help me. We'll come up here and start looking at art books, and just, you know, nowadays you can just take photographs of them. You don't have to photocopy them even. You know? So that's <laughs> so the pop-up uh, film school is your next project. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, let's hope yeah. it works out yeah. in Wellington. Yeah. That's, that's so exciting. Yeah. And Tom, what's your next project? Um, I was supposed to be working on a film at the moment, but um, the script wasn't quite ready, so it got pushed, which opened up a good chunk of my year to do my own thing. So I thought with that chance I'd jump at uni because it's always something I've wanted to do. I didn't finish high school, so I, I did miss that, um, that kind of more structured learning. And yeah, so yeah, here I am. Mm, well, yeah. nice to have you. Does anyone else have a sort of crazy interpretation of either of these paintings? Um, I actually had a conversation with Alexis um, at one point doing a summer school with her. Oh, and wow. we talked about having children as artists and women. And I think it's about that. I think it's about her ambition as an artist pushing away the desire because um, to have children perhaps in that generation meant you, you gave up your artistic career. I think that's a perfect moment to thank you both immensely for your thoughts and discussion and for allowing us to share these works with our community. Thank you all for coming. <laughs>